0: Good morning and welcome to another service in Fitzroy where we cannot be present with one another, but we hope that this service brings some presence, both for our community as Fitzroy and then for the hundreds of you who are listening from all over the world, which is so encouraging um, for us uh, in this uh, small little congregation in the middle of Belfast at this time. If uh, those uh, uh, further afield would bear with us for a moment or two, we do a thing on a Sunday morning in Fitzroy called uh, Family Focus, where everybody gets up and gives their announcements. Sadly, uh, social distancing doesn't allow for that. So let me just give uh, Fitzroy the announcements for the week that is ahead. Can I say that if you have children and they're running around you now and you would have half an interest in listening to me, there are a couple of children's songs up on the the Sunday section of our website. Sadly, we can't make those public to everybody um, because they're uh, children friendly. So uh, if you're a member of Troy and you've logged into the site as a member of our website, then you can get those children's songs. Uh, go and do that now. To say that tonight at 7 o'clock, Gary Burnett, this is an amazing series that he's doing, Paul and 10, 10-minute ten chunks of teaching on the Apostle Paul every Sunday night and you can get them then as we say on demand throughout the week, please go back to number one. If you haven't heard number one, it'll only take you 30 minutes to catch up and get to number four tonight at seven o'clock that goes live at seven. That happens to be at the same time as on Instagram, because that's where the cool kids get down. They have their passion worship. It's half an hour of worship from one of the homes of our young people. They have been really amazing and very encouraging. So if you're an Instagram person, you can also get that at 7 o'clock. We have our prayer meeting back on Tuesday at 7. Apologies that the last time I forgot some of you and didn't invite you into the Zoom prayer time. Please remind me that you want in this week, but we're putting a list together. And if you've been on that list before, then you should get it again. But just remind me that would be really helpful. Tuesday at 7. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, woman in Zoom, Friday at 7. Um, The woman in the congregation come on for a bit of a chatter and Zoom, and that's going really well. Uh, 11.15 on Wednesday. Janice will be doing her rhyme time with baby and toddlers. And if you know anybody that might be interested in that, get Janice. Uh, She'll need a mobile because she sends them out WhatsApp. And uh, then they meet in our front room, well, via Zoom, and they seem to have a great time. Those are the kinds of things. Keep your eye on the webpage. You never know what we might do uh, as well. We'll be on live on Facebook at least Wednesday at 2. You never know. We might do another day if uh, there is such a demand. That's Family Focus. Let us now focus on uh, what we're thinking about today and um, it's exciting times um, uh, in these Sundays because last Sunday we celebrated resurrection and we're going to be spending a little bit of time thinking about that resurrection and it's such spiritual sacred ground to be with the disciples in this, this really energetic moment when Jesus has been raised to life. So let's be still for a moment and then I lead us into our service with a little bit of a poem. God, we thank you for resurrection. We thank you for the hope it brings. And in this lockdown, when we're a little disorientated, perhaps a little frustrated, if not at times confused, we thank you for the hope of new life and the presence of Jesus with us, Emmanuel at his birth, the risen Lord, post-resurrection. Be with us, we pray in this service, in Jesus' name. Amen. When the most torturous Darkness, darkness dawns into the most soothing, healing light. And the mind, so rattled, settles in slow aftershock realignment of perspective. When the eyes refocus to peer through the hours of looking away, to be envisioned with the revelation of more than a gardener. And the soul stops tossing, turning, churning up. From its sickly desperation and hopeless heartache. To waken up, to take it in. As the earth re-knits after tremoring and on the firmer under standing we reach for shimmers like dust caught in sunrise to catch the splinters flying and piece the fragments of debris into everything new. Never the same again. The dream's dead revived. The hope buried, reborn. The vision of the future, redeemed. It is the peace after the war zone. It is the resurrection dance after the wake. It is a whole new kingdom come. The new life starts here.
1: Today's reading is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 19 to 29. I'm reading from the New International Version. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors closed for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they will be forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they will not be forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Well, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them again and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out, put your hand into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord. And my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: We've been in lockdown for quite a time. We haven't travelled very far. For some of us it's just been the local shop and on my blog this week I was suggesting that uh, I might take us in uh, poetry form to different parts of the world. But I want to take us seriously to a part of the world that we in Fitzroy particularly love. I want to take us to Uganda. Our prayers of intercession in a moment or two are going to be based around Uganda. But I, I, if you're someone uh, who's interested in India or Jordan or some other part of the world, I, I hope that you will be able to fit uh, the part of the world that you love into the prayers I'm going to pray for Uganda. But before I pray those prayers, We're going to go to Uganda. It's a short video that Fields of Life have done with, uh, well, Trinity has done. Uh, You remember last year we had Trinity and Levixen in Fitzroy. Levixen was the one that got your uh, bodies moving one morning in church. Trinity was the one that really stimulated our minds. And uh, they've been working in their slum of Kosovo in Kampala and another neighbouring slum called Katanga. And this is what they're finding uh, on the streets of Kampala slums this very
2: week. Hello friends, this is an urgent plea on behalf of thousands of people locked down in the slums of Kosovo and Katanga in Uganda. They are quarantined, locked in the slums, and it's very hard to get food. As you can see, this place is congested. We are all experiencing difficulty in this time, frustrating, But most of us, it's not as it is for our friends in Katanga. This is hitting people around us in the slums in a very hard way than you can imagine. Many families here have gone days without food. We are coming with an urgent message for you from one of our friends in Katanga, and she said because of this quarantine, people are more likely to die of hunger before even corona finds them. they are not allowed to move beyond the slum premises to go anywhere, and even if they could go out. Their daily jobs, doing labor or selling goods, the income they have relied on to put food on their table is gone. So they need us. They need you. They need our help. Please give any amount to help our friends in Katanga and Kosovo survive COVID-19 with something to eat.
0: So let us pray for other parts of the world, using Uganda as a means to reach out. Lord, whatever the frustrations of our lockdown and social distancing, make us ever grateful. Lord, we want to give thanks for our solid houses, for our little gardens, for our social networks that have left none of us in Fitzroy in particular need. Lord, we might be confined, but we are comfortable, we are well nourished with water and good sanitation. Lord, this morning we look across our world and through the experience of Uganda, we pray for that world at this coronavirus time. Lord, we pray for all those people whose confinement means hunger. For those whose fear today is not so much COVID-19 as starvation for their families. Oh Lord, we smile and laugh at the thought of new Buddha Buddhas on Kampala roads or Arua roads. But the sad reality is that that is thousands of motorcycle taxi drivers without a daily wage, whose families go without, where hunger is fearfully sore. And also for those who sell Rolexes or avocados or cassavas at the side of the road, and cannot do at that at the moment. Lord, meet their needs. May there be more projects like Fields of Life's emergency fund through Trinity and Levixen to ease the worry and hardship. And then, Lord, in our prayers we head north to those that we know best. We pray for West Nile and for Arua, as they have just sown in the fields, and as the rains have come and as the growth is appearing. We pray against the infesting of locusts out of the east. Lord, in a supernatural way, we pray that you would break that plague across East Africa. And may there not be a double whammy in a and on a laku of locusts as well as COVID-19. Lord, we pray for Heather and David Charlon still there. Protect their little house that they call Little Galilee. And then as they journey out to work in health and agriculture, Lord, may they see the fruit of their labour at this time. We pray for Oni for the primary school there that we funded. We pray for pastors David and Joel as they lead the church that cannot meet. And as they imagine ways to be pastor and missioner at times of confinement, when they cannot use Zoom or StreamYard. Or their computers because nobody has them. Lord, give them real imaginations as they try to reach their people. And then we pray for our school children. Oh Lord, we pray for every one of them. But I suppose we pray for those that we sponsor that are most heavy on our hearts. Lord, we pray you would keep them safe and their families. We pray you would give them a harvest in their little shambles. And may they have enough to eat as they wait for lockdown to be lifted. We pray too, Lord, that this gap from school would not break that habit or distract them or set them back on the long road to an education that might give them and their families a more stable future. Lord, we thank you that coronavirus has not yet hit Uganda, but we are aware that if it does, it will be catastrophic. So, Lord, interrupt that situation with your mercy. Lord, minimise the hardship of the measures needed to combat the virus. Lord, be with all leaders, but we mention President Museveni, the health and economic departments of the government, the mayors of the cities, the NGOs working throughout East Africa and beyond into all parts of the world. And we pray for fields of life for those in Oneilakna Primary School. Lord, we approach your throne of grace with confidence to find mercy and grace to help Uganda and the world at this time of need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. During coronavirus times, I've been trying to listen to songs almost as prayers, things that can soothe my soul. And one of those is a song by Need to Breathe, a band introduced to me by my daughter Jasmine. And uh, they have a song called Wasteland that says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And it's a song that I'm playing at this time. And I thought that would be a lovely song to have as a, a reflection in the middle of a service. And so Shannon, with her husband Danny who's actually uh, the youth worker at Fisherwick. They are going to do a version of Need to Breathe's Wasteland. So we're still in resurrection ground, the fertile ground around Jesus rising from the dead. I love it. I just uh, feel the energy of it. I feel the electricity of it. I remember once, it might have been an interview with George Harrison, and he was talking about being in the Beatles, and he said, "Do you know when you think about it, only four people had that experience." Now there's a part in Acts of the Apostles that tell us that uh, Jesus appeared to five hundred people, but I imagine that those disciples like. Mary and Peter and Andrew and Thomas that we're coming to of course today they experience something that none of the rest of us will ever experience again in our lives it's just this uh, immediacy to the resurrection oh we all can experience the risen Christ and I'm hoping that's what we're going to experience um, this week and we did last week and that's what the sermon today is about but to be actually there to be there like we'd looked at last week when, when Mary recognised the gardener as Jesus. Or that moment when Cleopas and his friend are, are gone off to Emmaus and Jesus breaks bread and suddenly they realise that Jesus is risen. And they're heading all the way back up to Jerusalem, seven miles probably on a run faster than Dave Thompson and Nigel Hart could ever imagine or think because of the energy of resurrection. And of course that's what we're into today. Paul read to us earlier on from John chapter 20 where we're reading about Thomas and Thomas gets a little bit of a uh, a bad vibe. But here's Jesus again meeting with the disciples. Now what has happened is he's met with Mary and John's account of it is that then all the disciples are frightened, all the male disciples are frightened. Mary, the woman, is out there at the tomb, but not where the men are. The men are locked up in a room, frightened of all the kind of authorities around them. And as they uh, are hiding away in their fear, what are they thinking about what are they talking about are they are they talking about what are we going to do now are we talking are they talking about what was it he meant when he said all these things and why did he have to die and can we not have got out of it in gethsemane all this stuff must be being talked about and then suddenly jesus stands in their presence what a moment like mary's moment what a moment and then a week later we're told well, We're told that Thomas wasn't there at that point. My question is this week has been, where was Thomas? Um, why was Thomas not there? Was was he not in hiding? Or had he decided actually he was going back to work already and was maybe on his way back to uh, Galilee when maybe he heard somebody saying there's rumours that Jesus had been raised to life? We don't know why Thomas wasn't there, but he wasn't there, so he didn't see Jesus. And so when he comes back and they start talking to to Thomas about Jesus, it's all just Theology. It's all academic. We've seen Jesus and we've seen this and this is how we've seen him and this is what had happened and maybe when he said he would break down the temple and he would build it in three days or maybe that time where he said, whatever it was, they were talking all this theological stuff. It wasn't enough for Thomas. Thomas wasn't interested just in what was going on in the head. He wasn't interested in all that other stuff. He wanted to experience it for himself. And of course he's got that bad rap of being the doubting Thomas. But some of the commentators I was reading this week actually call him the demanding Thomas, because he's actually wanting answers to the questions he has, and actually, in some ways, he's just wanting what the other guy's got. Jesus appeared to them, and they saw Jesus. You imagine being the one disciple at that point. Well, there's two, because Judas didn't meet the risen Christ either. But the one disciple who's alive and still on the side that doesn't get to see Jesus, you can understand them demanding a bit. You can understand them saying, well, I'm not going to believe it until I have experienced what you experienced. And so uh, Thomas uh, is demanding Something more like the Psalmist. How long? I, 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 I demand this of you, God. I want to see Jesus, and until I put my fingers into His nail pierced hands and uh, into His side, I'm not going to believe. And of course, then Jesus comes and meets with Thomas. And you know, you might be saying, "Oh, doubting Thomas, he's the one of lack of faith," and maybe Jesus will judge him for his lack of faith. But quite the opposite. In some ways, Thomas gets extra special attention because he demands, because he doubts, because he wants to see. Uh, and it seems to me, and Eugene Peterson and his paraphrase would suggest that that Jesus gives Thomas a little bit of a special deal when he meets with him the second time. His attention is on Thomas, and he meets Thomas in a different way than maybe meets the rest of them. And that's one of the things I, I want to bring out of today. I want to bring out, first of all, that we have the right to maybe doubt maybe through coronavirus. We have lots of questions. Um, why are all these people dying? Why is there no vaccine yet? How did this spread? Uh, what about my family? Um, there can be all kinds of questions and doubts. And what I think the story of Thomas post-resurrection is, is that we have the right to demand. We have the right to ask God questions. We have the right to, uh, we might not get the answers that, that we want or expect, or uh, we're always looking through a a glass darkly but we have the right as Thomas had to demand and the other thing is that there's differences to how we all deal with it if I'm in a a family home um, nowadays I've learned this over 10 years of pastoral ministry if, if I'm in a family home after a bereavement I have a tendency to say to the family remember that you'll all uh grieve in different ways some of you'll grieve um, out loud, some of you will gr- grieve quietly, some of you will want to do it on your own, some of you will want to do it together, uh, some of you will want to chat, some of you will want to laugh, some of you will want to cry. That uh, we all deal with different things, with things differently. And coronavirus, I think we all deal with things differently. Um, in, in a house, some people might want to be together some people might want to find their space some people might want to find their space at a time other people don't want to find their space and there's all these ways that we're different and we have to understand each other's differences and it seems to me that if we look at the resurrection stories that we find that Jesus deals with everybody differently he deals with the disciples and he just deals with Peter and he deals with Mary and he deals with Thomas all differently and he allows for the differences and he meets us in our different ways. And there's no template for this. Well, there is a template, but there's no blueprint for how Jesus uh, meets with us. So don't feel that if you're going through a process differently than somebody in your home or somebody in the church or somebody you know in the world, if, if somebody's getting through this victoriously and you're struggling with it, if somebody's uh, grieving through it and you're laughing through it, or what, just don't feel that it's wrong to deal with this situation that we're in differently than others because God understands that and Jesus meets us in the needs of that. It seems to me that's very clear in the post-resurrection stories. Those 500 people he met, some of them he might have met in a crowd, some of them like Thomas it was very intimate, like Mary it was in a garden, Um, some of them it was in a room. So all these different ways that Jesus deals with it and we have to Do as Jesus tells us to do and be aware and be sensitive as uh, other people deal with the situations differently than us. So some people are doubting and don't be angry with that. Um, If you know that um, prayer that I pray, uh, God give us faith to believe the truth and the right to ask why. Um, uh, It's that different ways that we deal with different situations and I think God in the stories of resurrection shows us that he can deal with all of our differences. So Thomas uh, demanding and we have a right to demand and doubt Jesus dealing with all our differences but I think the bottom line still of this particular scene with Thomas is that leap of belief As a 17-year-old, I struggled with belief and I read this passage one evening and I got to that part of the passage right at the end where it tells us that Thomas believed because he saw, but more blessed are those who will believe even they don't see. And for me personally, that was a month of inspiration almost a eureka moment that God wasn't only in existence but God was actually speaking to me in a personal way the way that he spoke to Thomas in a personal way but at the same time I had to do something about that belief Thomas had to do something about that belief Mary had to do something about that moment in the garden Peter had to do something about these resurrection moments it wasn't enough for them to see Jesus to experience Jesus to feel Jesus they had to then take this leap of faith. As a family, one of the things we're doing is we're watching a movie every night and some of those are good and some of them are maybe not so good, but I think even the ones that were a wee bit shitty, we watched them right through and had conversations about them and probably enjoyed them. But just this last week, the oldies have uh, probably converted the youngies into the Indiana Jones series. Janice and I's first date of a cinema was Indiana Jones, um, what was the third one? Um, and uh, it, it's that incredible moment where um, uh, Indiana has to find the Holy Grail. That was our first date. We were in a youth club camp. We all want to see it. And, of course, me with the Gospel According To's was right on this one. Because right at the end, to get the Holy Grail, he has these things that he has to do to grab it. And the first one is to be penitent, to humbly kneel. And so he kneels and this thing goes over his head because if you're penitent before God and you kneel, you'll not get the whack or your head taken off. And then it's the name of Jesus or the name of Jehovah is in the film, but it's the name of God that that's the next step. So he has to step out the letters of the name of God. And there's all kinds of places in the New Testament where it says if we call on the name of God, we will be saved. If we call on the name of God, we will find God. So those are the first two and then there's this last one where he's out on a ledge and there's nothing between him and this cousin across. It's quite a distance across and there's no way to get there. The jump is too far and so you're thinking, well we did the penitent thing, we were humble and we called the name of God and we spelled it out with our feet but there's no way to do this. And he hears these words in his mind, leap of faith. And he puts his foot out, and as he puts his foot out, there's this bridge that he can't see until he takes the leap. And he walks across the bridge and finds the Holy Grail. Spoilers, too late. Uh, 30 years later, too late anyway. But, here's the key moment in it, I think, for me. When he's at the other side, he's taking this leap of faith and he gets this pathway of God through to the other side. He looks back, And he throws out some sand, and the sand shows him the path that he's been on. For me, as a follower of Jesus, there's many times that I have no idea where I'm going up ahead. I have a sense that God's leading me, but I don't know whether that's a right thing or not. Four weeks into being in Fitzroy, I couldn't get up one Sunday morning because I thought, who am I to be preaching to that congregation? Had I made the wrong decision? Was I listening to God wrong? But I find in most of my life that uh, I don't see the path in front of me as much as I can throw sand over the path behind me and explain it to myself and see it all spelt out. And that's the same with us, whether that's in the disorientation of coronavirus or the confusion of coronavirus, or whether that's just generally in our own discipleship. There are moments in our lives that like Thomas, like Mary, like Peter, we have to take these leaps of faith not sure where it's going but being reasonably reasonably certain that when we throw back the dust or the sand upon it we will see the pathway that god has laid out for us so here we are in these resurrection spaces here we are meeting the risen christ here we are with the energy and the electricity of that As we said in the poem right at the outset, the new life starts here. But those words come to us the way Jesus spoke them to Thomas all those years ago. Thomas, you believe because you've seen these things. But so much more blessed will be others because they haven't been this close to the resurrection physically. But they believed. In the middle of coronavirus, let's be a Sunday, people who believes and who takes leaps of faith into bringing hope into a despairing world. Close our service, as I'm always saying, not with something that the credits go up with, but with a serious prayer for the week ahead. And here is my coronavirus benediction number one that I pray over all of us as we go out into another week of lockdown. May God's love be a constant companion. May Jesus' teaching be illuminated in our dark. And may the Holy Spirit lead us into what to do for others and how to care for ourselves. Amen.